So this morning we're going to continue the I Love My Church series, and we're examining from this is in this series we're just kind of looking at different perspectives from different perspectives what it means when we say that we're going to we commit to uh, support the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And this week we're looking at service. As we look at it, I, I, you know, I, I, I was going to have you do something, and, and I didn't get it done, and so I'm thinking maybe that, you know, this morning I came in and said, uh-oh, you didn't get those service sheets done that you were going to do. And then I got to thinking, yeah, but all, you know, all churches do those, right? It's like, you do the service sheet and turn it in. And so I'm going to pretend like it's not I didn't get it done, it's that it wasn't supposed to happen. How about that? <laughs> um, there are many ways to serve, and, and certainly we have the card in, in, the, in the seat in front of you. But I, I just, you know, I've wrestled with this message, and, and I didn't think I would, ha- I would wrestle with this message, uh, but I've wrestled with this message. And um, so I'm going to share that wrestling with you. And as far as the plugging in stuff, you know, I'm going to ask you to continue to pray, and, and I think God will impress upon you where you need to be and when you need to be there. You know, um, I've just been in a lot of places where it's this big push that do, some, do, 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 and sometimes we need to be, and, um, you know, both are important, but, you know, so, so there's no service sheet in your, in, in your bulletin for this morning, and, um, and that's, that's okay, so listen to God in that. I think he'll guide you where you need to go, because the key is this, is serving is essential, it's a critical part of our journey. It's a critical part of, of this faith journey that we're on. If we want to follow in the footsteps and example of Jesus, guess what we're going to have to do? Serve. I mean, he, he came to, to, to be served, right? Good job. I'm proud of you. No. No, he came to serve and not to be served. Even the leadership that we do in the church, he flipped it upside down and changed the way leadership works. It's now a servant leadership model. And so I want to wrestle with this whole arena of serving, from serving God to serving others. And so let me begin with a passage that many of us are very familiar with. It's out of John 13, verses 1 through 17, and it goes this way. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that his hour, the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Do you know God loves you? He does, in case you're wondering. All his half. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Began to wash his disciples' feet. Drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Then he came to Simon Peter. Good old Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now imagine he probably went, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus said, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you understand. Of course, Peter being Peter said, no, no, you shall never wash my feet. Capital N, little E-V-E-R, never 
wash my feet. And Jesus said this, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head and everything, just dump the water on me out of the basin. Wait, that's my paraphrase. That doesn't really say that. But my hands and feet as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to the place, He said, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, uh uh-oh. If you'll go to the next, there you go. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, many, if not most of us, have heard messages. Have you heard a message from this text before? The, you know, yeah, yeah. Most all of us have heard messages from this text. Jesus, as the rabbi, as the Lord, as the master, should not have considered taking on this task. This was not the task of the master. This was the task of the servant, the slave, the one who would greet them at the door to wash. Think about their feet, right? This, this was an era when they walked everywhere and, and they didn't have really good sanitation. This was the feet of the disciples would not have been a very nice, washing these feet would have been yucky, you know? <laughs> it's a big biblical word. It would have been yucky. It would have been nasty, you know? But Jesus did it anyway. And in this Passover meal, Jesus changed so many things for the disciples. He would later change the liturgy as he instituted communion. But in this moment, he created a powerful, powerful image for his disciples and for us because the image is ours now. We are the disciples now. So this image is for us. Just think about it. You're at the meal, and and Jesus gets up, and you're sitting there going, "Uh uh-oh, what's he going to do now? That was probably a lot going on in the disciples. "Uh Uh-oh, what's he going to do now? Because we don't know. He gets up, takes the basin of water, and you're going, now, wait a minute. That's not good. He doesn't need to be doing that. Wraps the towel around his waist, and he comes up to you. And he kneels down, and he starts to wash your feet. And then he moves to the next disciple. And he kneels down, and he washes their feet. And then he moves to the next disciple. And he kneels down, and he washes their feet. And you're going, what is he doing? What is going on? I don't understand this. This is not part of the liturgy. This is not part of this meal. This has nothing to do with any of that. They would have been stunned. This was not done. The master, the Lord, the Savior, this is not the role. This was not what would happen. And then he came to Peter. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
And Jesus, understanding Peter better than anyone else, said, you don't realize what I'm doing, but one day you will. Peter, hanging out with Jesus, but still not quite understanding him, says, no, you shall never wash my feet. I won't let you wash my feet. It's impulsive. It's rash. It's kind of Peter's nature, but it makes sense. If I'm Peter, wait a minute. This, is not, this isn't okay. This isn't the way things operate. This is certainly not something that Jesus should be doing. This is something that should have happened by, by a servant or the slave at the door when we came in. This is not the role of Jesus, which led me in this message and led me to the beginning of my wrestling that said, are we willing to let God wash our feet? More personally, am I willing to let God wash my feet? Am I willing and are we willing to admit that we need our feet washed? That we've got stuff on them. Do we recognize that God serves us in so many ways that are both seen and unseen, and yet we can still miss them? Took me to this, Matthew 20 and Mark 10. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. This is leadership model in that era. The, Lord, the lords and rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Not so with you. Don't do that. That's not what I'm here for. I didn't come to lord it over you. Yes, I'm lord. I didn't come to lord it over you. I came to serve. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, Jesus was answering a question in this. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, their mom had said, hey, let them sit at the right and left hand. And Jesus answers and says, you don't know what you're asking. You don't get it. The question upset the other disciples. But in this answer, did you catch that last verse? The Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. God came to serve, not to be served. And what does that mean for us when we think about our commitment to support the church in service? I mean, we are meant to serve God. There's a, I mean... The, 1 Corinthians, so then, my dear friends, stand firm and steady. Keep busy always in your work for the Lord, since you know that nothing you do in the Lord's service is ever useless. So then, obey the commands that I have given you today. Love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart. Whoever wants to serve me must follow me so that my servant will be with me where I am and my father will honor anyone who serves me. And, and the wall plaque that many of us have, this is a little bigger than the plaque, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. Here's the plaque. But as for me and my house, what are we going to do? We will serve the Lord, right? 
we find ourselves in a place of tension between being served by God and serving God. And, And look, welcome to Christianity. Tension. There are tensions in our journey. There are tensions in this faith journey of ours. Are we saved by grace through faith? Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Or, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. James 2, 18. You know the answer to that? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> Are we saved by grace through faith? And, 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 and show me your faith? Yes. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling, Philippians 2, 12. Or know that men and women are not justified by the works of the law, but just but by faith in Jesus Christ. Which is it? Both. Do we allow God to serve us or do we serve God? Yes. Yeah, we do both. The answer is yes. And there's two primary, you know, in working with this, and working, trust me. Sometimes I come in here with this, I got answers, ain't this morning. Uh, I think there's two primary ways we serve God. And these attach both to serving others. The first is worship. We are made to worship. We are made to worship. Isaiah 43, bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, who I formed, whom I formed and made. Or Isaiah 43 20 to 21, the wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people who I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Or John 4:24, God is spirit, and those who worship God must be led by the spirit to worship him according to the truth. We worship in spirit and in truth. First Chronicles 16:11, go to the Lord for help, worship him. Continually, and y'all know I love Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Our lives become focused on worshiping God wherever we are and whatever we do. We've talked about this, this 24-7 idea, this I worship God, whether it's not just here, guys. It's where we go. God lives where? In us. You know where God goes? Everywhere we go, we have an offer. We are worshiping fools. We're worshiping. We're going to be, fool, be a fool for the Lord. But we're worshiping wherever we go, whether it's to work or school or play or the grocery store. He travels with us everywhere that we go. And the places we go are filled with opportunities to be served by God as we serve God. Laurel hit the nail on the head. It's both and. It's both and. He loved us. So much that we can't help but want to share that love with others. It's our distinguishing characteristic as followers of Jesus. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus' example though, was certainly shown in the work that he did with people he came in contact with. He worshiped his father in prayer and at the temple and with his disciples, but he served in the realm of humanity. He impacted lives. We are made to serve. It's the second of my two. I couldn't come up with an example of a time. It may be there, but I couldn't come up with an example of a time when Jesus served that didn't involve people. 
You know, anything pop in your head? He, 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 was, he served in the, in the world of people, in humanity, in making a difference. He worshiped God, but he served people. So it seems that if we are truly going to be about following Jesus, then we're going to have to serve others, right? It's what Jesus did. But it was more than just being busy. It's probably why that service sheet thing didn't happen because that's a, those are important. I, don't, I hate that. It sounds like I'm minimizing them. I'm not. It's just that I don't ever want to be just about doing church stuff, you know? Church stuff's important, but I don't want that to be the primary focus. Brought up this passage of Scripture when I was thinking about, do, am I just being busy or am I, you know, what's the difference between doing and being? Am I just kind of so busy right now that I'm, you know, just doing the next thing, the next thing? Or am I spending time with God? And that invariably takes me to Mary and Martha. The story out of Luke 10, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. How dare she? But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She's in the kitchen working. She came to him and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Okay, she might not have been quite that bad, but. She was probably upset, really, because, you know, she's doing the work. You ever been in, you know, family get-together, something going on, and, 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 you know, somebody's doing the work, and you're just kind of hanging out, you're outside playing, or you're watching TV, or you're not, you're not helping? It's probably that attitude of, where is Mary? Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And don't mishear me. Martha gets a bad rap for working so hard sometimes. I don't think we have a good thing and a bad thing here. I think we have a good thing and a better thing, right? Mary chose the better thing. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was learning from the master. And I would make the argument that in this moment, Jesus is, is serving. Any teachers in here? Y'all servants? Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the ways that God served us as a teacher. See, it's very important to be in the presence of God and let him serve us. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That's big. Unless I serve you, unless I let Jesus wash my feet, unless I let God serve me, unless I stop doing everything thinking that I'm going to earn my way, not that I stop doing things, but that I stop doing things thinking that that's going to somehow score me brownie points with God or whatever. I need to learn how to let Jesus serve, serve me. Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. I love that. I love Peter. Y'all love Peter. He's just, <laughs> just kind of over the top. 
Those who have a bath need only to wash their feet. The whole body is clean. See, he was talking to his disciples, and he was making a point in service, but he was making a point as well that in order to be clean, and this is another direction I'm not going this morning, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our cleansing comes from allowing God to wash us. If you've got stuff in your life, confess it to him. He'll put a towel around his waist. And he'll come to you. And he'll kneel before you. And he'll pick that sin up and he'll wipe it off. And it will be gone. That's who our God is. If we want to be part of this, this church that Christ has ordained for us to be, if we want to be part of a special kind of church, then we've got to learn how to serve and be served by God. And I don't have the answers for all that. I, I've wrestled with this for all week as far as what that looks like, and I don't have all the answers. But I know that the answers are found in him. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? And if they were to answer, if we had their answers, the answers would have been no. We got no dang clue what the heck just happened. You know. I'm sure they didn't say that because they, you know, they were going, okay, he's, he does this all the time with parables. He's going to explain it later, you know. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than the master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And this is certainly this message from Christ to us through his disciples is one about humility. It takes humility to, to, to go down and, and wash the dirt off of somebody's feet. That takes humility. Jesus himself did this. God did this. God does that today in our lives. We just got to be aware and look for it. It's also a command to follow and to follow in this path of leadership for the church. This is what leadership in the church is supposed to look like. And just to emphasize that being like Mary is not wrong, we have verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you what them? Do them. Do. It's not that we don't do in the church. We need to do in the church. In talking about this whole thing with a friend this week, this came up. <coughs> Help! thinking about what you said about needing to be a church where people serve and allow ourselves to be served. When we serve others, aren't we ultimately serving God through our obedience? And when others receive our service, isn't it ultimately God serving them through us because God dwells in us? So when we serve, is it always God serving? When we receive from others within the church, are we actually being served by God? He dwells in them. I love that. I wish I had answers for all of it. <laughs> when we serve others, aren't we ultimately serving God through our obedience? It took me to Samuel. 1 Samuel 15, 22. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much in obeying the Lord? To obey is better 
than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. What God is saying, obedience is critical for us. We need to be obedient. It's better than sacrifice. We can say that we're sacrificing stuff, but if we're disobedient in the midst of it, we're not traveling the path. We've got to get obedient. So yes, serving others is serving God through our obedience. We are called to love. Well, how are we going to be known? By the way that we love one another. So that's a matter of obedience. And when others receive our service, isn't it ultimately God serving through them? Because God, or through us, because God dwells in them. So when we serve, is it always God serving? When we receive from others within the church, are we actually being served by God? He dwells in them too. See, God is so very amazing <laughs> that we are gifted with opportunities to make a difference in the lives of others by allowing him to work through us, through our lives. But we also must be willing to receive from those that God sends our way. And that's often harder to receive from others, to, to allow someone else to help us and, and allow them that. It's, it's actually, someone reframed this for me years and years ago and said, why are you robbing my blessing? Why are you robbing my blessing? I want to bless you. I want to help you. Why won't you let me help you? Why are you taking that blessing away from me? And, and that's part of that receiving part. See, when Jesus, or when Peter told Jesus, no, Jesus' response was really clear that we need to be willing to live in this place, in this tension of giving and receiving service. You know, some of us are good at one side, not good at the other. But most of us who are good at one or the other wrestle with the other side. This acceptance of both sides is, is really difficult. So today challenges me. Today challenges me. Am I willing to truly go where God sends me? Am I willing to engage in service in those places even when they're uncomfortable? What does it look like to allow God to serve me? I, you know, what does that look like? And I wish I had more answers. It's, this is what it looks like. Is it always God serving because God lives in me? Always is a tough word. Usually, but is it always? Here's what I know. God sent his son to die for us. Not to condemn but to say, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Saved. God is a God of salvation, not condemnation. And this is the ultimate act of service from God to us, this, that, that he sent his son. It provides a path to relationship that didn't exist before that. It was, it was because of that great act of love that we can invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts and we encounter the living God. And you know what happens when you encounter the living God? You are forever 
changed. If you encounter the living God, you don't emerge from that unchanged. It's impossible. It can't happen. God moves in us, and now it's just all, all out of whack. When Jesus was with those disciples, he, they didn't know what he was going to say at the table, but they knew he was going to say something because they were encountering the living God, and they got changed. When we encounter the living God, each of us gets changed forever. And this change means that the We desire to follow Christ, and that desire means that we desire to serve both God and humanity. What's the cross? Love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, your soul. It's the vertical on 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 the cross. When we see the cross, love God. The horizontal, love your neighbor as yourself. Every time you see the cross, it reminds us to love God and love our neighbor. Just like Jesus. Here's the thing. We will be known by how we love. We will be known by how we love. How we love will be shown in how we serve. We'll be known by how we love, and how we love is going to come out in how we serve others.